This is African News Tonight on The Voice of America. Hello and welcome. Welcome to African News Tonight from the English to Africa service of The Voice of America, your source for Pan-African news and world developments. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Coming up on African News Tonight... Ensuring that there is accountability for the egregious crimes that took place uh, in the Tigray region, for example, is going to be critical for this ceasefire and this truce to actually hold. That's Tirana Hassan, Executive Director of Human Rights Watch, on the challenges facing the fragile ceasefire in Ethiopia's Tigray region. Details coming up. Also, troops in Mali are killed in clashes with militants and Cameroon frees jailed aid workers. These stories and more on African News tonight. We start with our top story. Mali's army says 14 troops were killed and 11 wounded in central Mali when their vehicles struck explosives planted by Islamist militants. Annie Risenberg reports from Bamako, Mali. Mali's army said in a press release Wednesday there were two simultaneous explosive attacks Tuesday on military vehicles that left 14 troops dead and 11 wounded. The attacks were in central Mali, a region that has seen increasing violence in recent years from Islamist militants. The army statement says Mali's airborne special forces engaged what it called terrorists, killing 31 of them, including 14 as they were burying their dead. No group immediately claimed responsibility for Tuesday's attacks. Mali has been battling an Islamist insurgency since 2012, which started in the north of the country before spreading. The militants took control of northern Mali in 2012 until the French army intervened in 2013 to drive them out. French President Emmanuel Macron announced last year that French troops would withdraw from Mali after months of tensions between Paris and Bamako. France deplored Mali's military government working with Russian Wagner mercenaries who have been accused of committing atrocities in the Central African Republic, Libya, Mali, Syria, and Ukraine. Mali's military government denies working with mercenaries and says there are only official Russian military instructors in the country. Mali has been under military rule since an August 2020 coup that ousted former President Ibrahim Boubacar Keita. Violence has continued to move south ever since, with ongoing attacks in central Mali and increasing attacks in southern Mali. Militants on January 2nd attacked a civil defense post about 80 kilometers from the capital, killing five people. In July, militants killed six people in an attack on a checkpoint 70 kilometers from Bamako, followed by another attack one week later on Mali's main military camp, just 15 kilometers from the capital. Annie Reisenberg for VOA News, Bamako, Mali. Doctors Without Borders, known by its French acronym MSF, has welcomed Cameroon's release of five members of its staff who were detained for a year on charges of helping separatists. Cameroon's military arrested the aid workers for transporting a man with gunshot wounds who they said was a rebel. MSF maintains it helps anyone who needs medical care and says it will only resume work in separatist areas with government security guarantees. Moki Edwin Kinzeka reports from Bowie, Cameroon. Supporters of Doctors Without Borders have been visiting the home of Felix Tegui one of five members of the organization's staff, Cameroon's military released after being held on charges of aiding separatists. 19-year-old University of Boya student, Benedict Luma, said the medical aid group saved his uncle's life in 2020. My uncle bled excessively when he was shot in the leg. Everyone was afraid he would die 
because there was no hospital around. Our neighbor advised us to call doctors without borders on phone, and in less than an hour, the ambulance came to save my uncle's life. The group, known by its French abbreviation MSF, this week welcomed the military tribunal's December 29 acquittal of the five workers, four of them Cameroonians and one Indian. The military arrested two of the staff in December 2021 in Guti, a southwestern town on the border with Nigeria, while they were transporting a patient with a gunshot wound to a hospital. The military said the patient was a separatist and the next month arrested two more MSF staff members, accusing them of collaboration. The French aid group said they abide by medical ethics of helping all in need but could not continue in the area under the threat of arrest. In May, MSF suspended operations in Cameroon's southwest. Despite the dropped charges, MSF's operations manager for Central Africa, Sylvian Gru, says they cannot yet resume the needed aid work. We are obviously awaiting to try to engage with the government so that we may resume our activities. And we hope that they will be willing to sit down and uh, discuss with us because these uh, life-saving activities that we had to stop. It's very difficult for Ministry of Health ambulances to access certain areas. We were able to negotiate our access with all of the actors, and we were exceptionally allowed to do that, saving many lives. Paul Atanganji is Cameroon's Minister of Territorial Administration. While not specifically mentioning MSF, he told state broadcaster CRTV Tuesday that any aid groups Helping rebels would be charged in court. Quand vous êtes gestionnaire des ONG, vous bénéficiez d'une autorisation. He says they will not allow aid groups that are believed to be separatist accomplices to operate in Cameroon. He says Cameroon's military is working hard to bring order in the restive western regions. He says government hospitals have proven they have all that it takes to save the lives of people who need assistance. Hospitals in Cameroon's conflict areas have struggled to maintain services and staff who say they have been victims of both military and separatists. Doctors Without Borders has provided medical aid in Cameroon to victims of Boko Haram Islamist militants along the northern border with Nigeria since 1984. Until last May, it also provided surgical care and malaria and COVID-19 treatment in Cameroon's restive southwest region. The aid group says it treated more than 1 million patients in Cameroon in 2020 alone. Cameroon's English-speaking separatists are fighting to break away from the French-speaking majority that it says treats them as second-class citizens. Since the conflict broke out in 2017, the UN says more than 3,500 people have been killed and 750,000 displaced. Moki Edwin Kinzaka for VOA News, Boya, Cameroon. The foreign ministers of France and Germany have arrived in Ethiopia to support a November peace deal between federal and Tigray authorities to end two years of brutal war. 
Maya Masakur reports from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. The French and German foreign ministers Catherine Colonna and Annalena Baerbock met Thursday with Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed in a visit to support the Tigray peace deal. The November deal has seen steady progress with basic services restored to the Tigray region, increased aid and a first handover of heavy weapons by the Tigray People's Liberation Front to Ethiopia's federal forces. Witnesses say Eritrean troops in December withdrew from at least two cities in Tigray, but it's not yet clear if they intend to leave the region entirely. The European leaders will also meet with officials at the Addis Ababa headquartered African Union. The AU brokered the Tigray peace deal and its monitors arrived in the region this month to oversee its implementation. France and Germany also want to help with food insecurity caused by a record drought in the Horn of Africa and a squeeze on grain supplies and increased food prices from Russia's war on Ukraine. The two-day visit includes a trip to a World Food Program warehouse in Ethiopia's Oromia region, where donated wheat from Ukraine to help address the hunger is being stored. The French and German governments finance delivery of the much-needed grain and are expected to announce fresh aid to people in areas affected by Ethiopia's brutal two-year civil war. German Foreign Minister Baerbock said her visit was intended to support Ethiopia on its way to lasting peace and accountability for human rights abuses. UN investigators say there is evidence of war crimes and crimes against humanity committed by all sides in the conflict, including rapes, torture and extrajudicial killings. A UN report in September said the Ethiopian government and its allies also used starvation as a weapon of war, which it denies. Researchers at Ghent University in Belgium estimate half a million people have died in Ethiopia since war broke out in November 2020 from conflict, hunger, disease and lack of medical care. The UN says millions were displaced in the war and more than 5 million Tigrayans need humanitarian aid. Maya Misakar for VOA News, Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. You're listening to African News Tonight on The Voice of America. I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington. Please note we have moved our programs from voanews.com to voaafrica.com. There you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. Find us on voaafrica.com. The past year has been a litany of human rights crisis across the world from Ukraine to China to Afghanistan, says the Human Rights Watch organization in its latest annual report released today. The authors also say, however, that new champions of human rights have emerged. Henry Ridgewell reports. The Human Rights Watch organization says that following Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the global community deserves credit for unleashing what it calls the full arsenal of the human rights system, including an investigation by the International Criminal Court. Tirana Hassan is the acting executive director of Human Rights Watch. We saw immediate responses from the international community to mobilise around key human rights supports, including establishing uh, international justice uh, mechanisms, evidence gathering for war crimes. In towns like Bucha and Izium, there is widespread evidence that occupying Russian soldiers tortured, raped and executed civilians. The United Nations Human Rights Council has documented several hundred civilian killings, thought to be a fraction of the total. Volker Turk, the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, spoke to reporters in December. In some cases, Russian soldiers executed civilians. 
in makeshift places of detention. Others were summarily executed on the spot, following security checks in their houses, yards and doorways. Human Rights Watch's annual report also highlights ongoing abuses in China, including the mass detention, torture and forced labor of as many as a million Muslims in the Xinjiang region. Beijing denies the accusations. The report says the UN Human Rights Council's increased scrutiny of Beijing's actions is encouraging. Again, acting executive director Tirana Hassan. What we have seen for the first time in a very long time is cracks in the authoritarian armor. In Iran, protests triggered by the death of Masa Amini after she was detained by morality police have grown into nationwide anti-government demonstrations. Human Rights Watch says the execution of at least four protesters must trigger a stronger global response. Again, Tirana Hassan. We need to move beyond international solidarity for protesters and need to make sure that governments all over the world are holding Iranian officials to account. The report cites increasing human rights abuses in Myanmar, where the authors say the regime is launching assaults on communities across the country that oppose the military coup. In Ethiopia, Human Rights Watch says the recent African Union-led peace process has resulted in a fragile truce. Again, Tirana Hassan. Ensuring that there is accountability for the egregious crimes that took place uh, in the Tigray region, for example, is going to be critical for this ceasefire and this truce to actually hold. The report says climate change is having an increasing impact on basic rights worldwide. It says governments have a legal and moral obligation to regulate industries such as fossil fuel extraction that are incompatible with protecting basic rights. Henry Ridgewell for VUA News, London. Human Rights Watch says African nations need to do more to address the widespread displacement, killings and other abuses that have resulted from the continent's many conflicts. The rights group published a new report this week that summarizes human rights trends in 23 African countries. Mohamed Yusuf reports from VOA's African News Center in Nairobi, Kenya. Mausi Segun is the head of Human Rights Watch Africa. She says that in many African countries, the population is caught up in conflict and simply has nowhere to turn. Some of the most egregious human rights violations continue to cascade in the context of conflicts. Civilians have continued to bear the brunt of armed conflict, communal violence, political and social unrest, as well as government repression against critical and independent voices in several African countries. All of this has resulted in the destruction of lives and livelihoods. According to ACLED, the Armed Conflict Location and Event Data Project, there were at least 36,000 violent events and more than 50,000 deaths caused by violence in Africa last year. Human Rights Watch said in at least 15 armed conflicts in the Sahel, the Lake Chad Basin area, the Great Lakes region and the Horn of Africa, government forces and armed groups have been implicated in abuses against civilians. Armed insurgents and in many cases government forces have inflicted terror and horror on civilians caught amid the fighting and forced 
hundreds of thousands of people to flee, both within and outside their national borders, where many face discrimination, rejection, and sometimes violent repulsion. Political, religious, and social intolerance has also increased, according to human rights researchers. The report said hate speech, attack on perceived political opponents, increased competition for resources, and other factors continue to fuel communal tensions, insurgency, and extremist recruitment in some African countries. The rights group praised the African Union and regional bloc, including ECOWAS, for taking action, such as reconciling Ethiopia's warring factions, condemning coups in West Africa, and refusing to recognize any attempt to seize power by force. Karin Kaneza Nantuya, Deputy Director of Human Rights Watch Africa Division, said the continental body is not doing enough to investigate human rights violations. They do hold summits. They do talk about... For instance, the fact that they want the Peace and Security Council to conduct a study and assessment of the driving causes behind these different crises. But the gap in there is that there's no emphasis on justice and accountability issue, which should be at the core of their political decisions. One, to sustain those uh, processes, and two, to provide redress and, and justice to the millions of victims that are affected by this crisis. In the Central African Republic and Guinea, the rights group noted progress in ensuring justice for serious crimes. The International Criminal Court in The Hague has opened trials against militia leaders in the Central African Republic and Sudan, both of which have committed serious crimes against civilians. The Washington-based organization Human Rights Watch Africa Division urges African leaders and governments to implement policies to monitor and report human rights violations in conflict zones. They say such a move could help prevent atrocities and humanitarian crises. Mohamed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi. Amnesty International is urging the international community to address human rights violations in Mozambique's war against Islamic insurgents in its oil-rich Cabo Delgado province. Amnesty's appeal comes after a clip on social media this week showed soldiers hurling a corpse onto a pile of burning rubble containing another body. In the video, a soldier pours a liquid over the bodies as others, including one in a South African uniform, uh, films the scene on their cell phones. The South African National Defense Forces investigating the incident, which it says may have happened in November in Mozambique. Amnesty International's Director of East and Southern Africa, Tigeri Chakuta, says the incident is another horrific event that gives a glimpse of what is going on away from the attention of international media in this forgotten war. A UN-backed panel of experts says in its latest report that the ozone layer recovery is on track. Paul Newman, one of the co-chairs of the scientific assessment panel to the Montreal Protocol on Ozone-Depleting Substances, says that it's helping to avoid global warming by 0.5 degrees Celsius, but he tells VOA's Carol Van Damme there is one hiccup. There were some unreported emissions of CFC-11, it's chlorofluorocarbon-11, which is both a strong ozone-depleting substance 
and a powerful greenhouse gas. The emissions were identified as being as mainly coming from eastern China, and those have stopped increasing. They've come down back to where we thought they should have been uh, about a decade ago. So that's very good news. Emissions are coming down. Also, the levels of ozone-depleting substances in the atmosphere are decreasing with time. That's another good result. So then on top of that, the big question is, is ozone also coming down? And the answer to that is yes. We now see ozone in both the southern mid-latitudes, the tropics, and the northern mid-latitudes at an altitude of about 25 miles or 40 kilometers. All of those show a positive trend since about the year 2000. So ozone is increasing. That's, that's good news. And that is about half of that ozone increase is due to the decrease of ozone-depleting substances. What about Africa? Can you talk about the ozone layer over Africa? So the ozone layer over Africa, you know, it's maybe uh, located over the tropics and the southern mid-latitudes. And in both of those regions, we see ozone increasing um, just very slightly, but increasing. So that's good positive news. Talk about a little bit about the, the impacts on climate change that you've that have come out with this 10th edition of the scientific assessment panel and what they've come across with this. And if you could address the HFCs. Sure. First of all, CFCs, HCFCs, and HFCs, hydrofluorocarbons, they're all powerful greenhouse gases. In fact, one, one pound of uh, carbon uh, CFC-12 is equivalent to about 12,000 pounds of CO2. So they are very powerful greenhouse gases. So hydrofluorocarbons were replacement for CFCs. So we were putting them in air conditioners instead of CFCs. But they're also powerful greenhouse gases. Because of that, the Montreal Protocol controlled hydrofluorocarbons. Um, they have what's called the Kigali Amendment, an amendment added to the Montreal Protocol to control those substances. Now, we were projecting that HFCs would have contributed something like 0.3 to 0.5 degrees Celsius to climate change by the year 2100. But because of the Kigali Amendment, that number will be less than one-tenth of a degree Celsius now. Now, that depends that all nations abide by the Kigali Amendment and control HFCs over the coming decades. That's Paul Newman, a NASA scientist and one of the co-chairs of the UN-backed scientific assessment panel to the Montreal Protocol on Ozone-Depleting Substances. He was speaking with VOA's Carol Van Dam. Kenyan prosecutors chained rally driver Maxine Wahom with murder, charged rally driver Maxine Wahom with murder for the death of her boyfriend and fellow rally driver Asad Kahan after she allegedly assaulted him in their apartment in December. The senior magistrate for the case, Bernard Ocho, granted the state two more weeks to complete its investigation. Wahom, who became the first Kenyan woman to win the third-tier WRC Safari Rally last June, says she is innocent. And that wraps up this edition of African News Tonight.
I'm Yehiyas Wuhib in Washington for all the latest de- developments on the continent 24-7. Visit our website at voaafrica.com. On behalf of our producer, Nicole Beckford, and our engineer, Adrias Rigas, thanks for choosing The Voice of America. Fans have a lot to hear each day on VOA. Listen to the sunny side of sports for the latest from Africa, the United States, and around the world. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. Find the sunny side of sports on the radio, online, and as a podcast. This is sunny side of sports. Right here.